we had a conference call with our parents. We were muted and we were outside of 30 Rock and we're like staring at each other and we're listening to our families be like, they don't even know what they're getting into. And we just knew we had to do this. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Hey guys, it's Hoda Kotb from the Today Show. Normally, uh, it would be the crack of dawn and I'd be sitting with Savannah and Al and Carson and Craig and whoever else comes along. But today is different. Today's better than that day. This is the day where I sit down with Danielle and Carly. You guys, first of all, I cannot believe the skim is 10 years old. I can't believe you're my girls. I feel like your mother, weirdly. <laughs> like I knew you when you were just getting started. The new online thing, it's called theskim.com. They take two or three stories and condense them and they're, they're written in a cool way with attitude. So if you don't have time to read the papers of the day, the two girls who did this actually used to work at NBC. They're newsies. They devour every paper. They sink it down just, and they deliver that yeah. every morning. How are you? I mean, this feels very weird. Like, really, very very strange. You're introducing us. It's been 10 years. We're not hosting our own show. This feels very, like, out of body right now. And I'm in my kitchen, which is weird. I'm, like, trying to not be like, so, Hoda, what are your plans for this summer? Like, how are the girls? And then I have to realize that, like, I'm supposed to to be quiet. Well, I have to tell you guys. Speak when spoken to. If if it were, if 10 years ago, you would have said to me after you guys came up to me and told me about your plan, that we would be sitting here 10 years later, having this conversation, I would have said, you are crazy. I want to get into the whole story. I want to relive it. I want to remember the genesis because I think sometimes it's good to reflect back. But before we do all that, are you guys up for a lightning round of questions? Let's yes, do it. but I feel like karma's about to like come back and bite us because we make other people do this. Well, good, good. Here we go. Great. All right, I'm going to call out your name so you okay. know whose turn it is. Okay. 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 Carly, first job you got paid for? Babysitter. And how much did you make an hour? I made $6 an hour for like my next door neighbor. And then they had another kid and then it went up. And then I remember when I retired, it was like $20 an hour, which was very like big deal. Quick follow-up. Were you a saver or a spender? Did you get your money and buy a shirt or did you put it away? I spent it all. There you go. Thanks for asking. Danielle's first job. So it was also, it was a mother's helper. So I like babysat, but I wasn't like old enough to stay home alone with the child. Right. And then it was camp counselor, which I hated. And then ice cream scooper, which was the best. Wait, who hates camp counselor? What was it? The bugs? Oh, no, 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 no. It was, it was awful. It's like, I mean, I have two kids now, but it was a long day with like little children in the heat. You had to like eat outside on the grass, which I didn't love. And the kids didn't love either. And I had to pick up all the kids on the bus route in the morning. And ironically, I'm still not a morning person. (laughs) All right, here we go. Next one. I know this is supposed to be lightning, but I'm into the, I'm into the detail. Okay. Danielle. Finish this sentence. What best describes your workday? 
working nine till? I think it's nine till whenever. What I really like about how we've evolved as leaders is that we've tried a lot of different styles of working hours. It used to be around the clock when we started. And then we put a lot of structure in place with our edit Mm -hmm. schedule. And then I got into a group years later where I would start really early. Like I would go to the gym and then at 8 a.m. I'd be at my email. And that didn't work either because then when you travel, you get thrown off the schedule. So now I'm kind of trying to take it as it's okay to start at nine. That's okay. Like I have a bit of a morning. And then take a break around like 5.30 or 6, get to see my little ones and then go back at some point after dinner. Yeah. I guess at minus 9 till I'm tired. And when does that happen usually? Well, 2 p.m. No, I think it's it's kind of what Danielle said. Like we tried all the different schedules. And so I think now it's like I always take a break or stop around like 5 or 6. Okay dinner, friends, workout, whatever. And then I always am like back at it in some component or some way at night. Okay. Carly, meeting or email? Email. Oh, Danielle? Email. Except for if it's Carly. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Now, why, why are you thumbs down to the meeting? I think it's like, what is the purpose? And I feel like a lot of things can be quicker if it's just like, do you need me to sign off on something? It's an email. Do you need a brainstorm? Okay, then let's talk. I actually, I would like the choice to be meeting, email, or text. And then I would say text. (laughs) The shorter, the better. Yes. Carly, are you a zero inbox person? Thank you for asking. Yes. Because what I do is I, yeah, I I have inbox 55,000 and then I mass delete all of them to zero. Wait, that's not called reading out. That's called like scorched earth. Yeah, scorched earth. (laughs) Well, what's your, what's your theory around why that works? Why that works is that because there's two of us, if it's really important, Danielle will get to it. (laughs) Cause I am a natural inbox zero person. It drives me insane to have like a messy inbox. So you go through each one. Yeah. But what's actually very interesting is that now that when Danielle's on maternity leave, I actually am so diligent about my email and I like, (laughs) Do you get to inbox zero in the real way? So, you know, you do what you have to do. All right, Danielle, the craziest person you found out who reads the skim. Oh, I don't have a good answer for this. I was thinking about it. Carly, do you have one? This is the most random person, but it always makes me laugh that Wolf Blitzer reads the skim. (laughs) He does? That was a good one. I just remember when he signed up and I was just like, this is not, you're not our target demo, Wolf, but like, I'm so happy to have you. I think it's also like friends' dads. Yeah. Who <laughs> like read Funny. this skim. Oh, also like yeah. Justin Trudeau really likes this game. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Are people in our government, do they read yours? Yes. Do you know? Yes. They do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Here's my question. Let's go, Carly. How do you relax? With wine. Yeah. Which is why I feel like I've always really connected to you guys. <laughs> uh, no. With wine, I love to cook. That's very relaxing. Yeah, I love to cook. I love to bake. And I find that like very therapeutic. Okay, Danielle, how about you? How do you relax? Alcohol and reading. Reading? What are you reading? Yes. Well, I'm finishing Tina Brown's new book about the Royals, which Carly Mm -hmm. finished and then passed it to me. But I just tear through books. It is like if they're thrillers, like we love Karen Slaughter. We love like the dark 
yes. thrillers or beach reads. I just go through them. Go through them. Do you, uh, are you a book book person or a reader on your iPad or phone? Or I Kindle? both. I have a Kindle, which I like dragged my feet transitioning to, but we were traveling so much at one point that it, it just, it was a necessity. All right. Harley, most used app on your phone? Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Sad, sadly. Sadly, it's, it's Instagram. Or the weather app. Oh, jeez. I really like the weather. <laughs> really? Do you use dark sky? or do I, you use use, I have weather? like four. I do like weather underground. Then I check it with dark sky. Then I'm going back to see like that the one on the phone is wrong. Like I just really like to mm-hmm. compare the weather apps. Okay. Here's my last lightning round. Then we're going to get to the conversation. Let's go with Danielle. One thing you'd tell yourself 10 years ago. Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> I think honestly, the things that I worried about, well, I think looking back over the past 10 years, a lot has happened and everything that happened in some way was like out of our control. Mm. What we control was like working and putting our head down and, and also like meeting people and getting out there. But beyond that, it's kind of just whatever's going to happen. And I think I spent so much time obsessing Mm -hmm. over it has to happen this way, Mm -hmm. or what if, you know, this worst case scenario happened, or what if it doesn't take off or blah, blah, blah. And I think also the um, backwards math, I don't know if like other people do this, but you know, like we started the company, I was 25. Right. And so I was like, well, this is where I want to be by 30 or here's Mm -hmm. where I want to be by 35. And then you start to work backwards and you're like, well, to do that, that I need to make this happen for me in the next 18 months. Yeah. I got to hurry. Right. Yeah. And I think I, I would tell myself like, that is not a healthy thing to do and you got to chill out. Okay. I like that. Carly, what about for you? I would say embrace the adventure, which is a lot of stuff has happened over the last 10 years, some of which was great and some of which was really hard and some that we can control, as Danielle said, and some that we couldn't. And I think there's such like weird out of body, amazing experience that happened. And even the things that seemed hard at the time that were just like growing pains, I would just say like, embrace the adventure, enjoy the ride more. We've enjoyed it a lot. But I think about some of the things we stressed out over. I'm like, we didn't need to stress out over. Well, let's talk about the ride. I mean, I think this is a good time to transition. I loved our lightning round, but I really want to talk about what you guys have built. And also there's something about reflection as we sit here 10 years down the road. Everyone's evolving. Your readers are evolving and you guys have had to navigate those waters. I want to get into the genesis, but to exist for 10 years, you have to be good at that. Will you guys just tell me, Carly, how did you how did you keep evolving and not keep the exact same model for 10 years? It's a great question. I think part of the natural answer is that because we are her, as we evolved, as our world got more complex, as the world got more complex and crazy. And obviously, you know, when I think back to when we started in 2012, we thought news was noisy and like that we're like, wow, like what a crazy world we're in right now. And it's like, that is adorable that we thought that that was loud then. Nobody could have possibly imagined what the last 10 years would hold in terms of just the division in our country and all of the things that have happened and the problems that we thought we and our friends had or that our audience had have just gotten more 
complex over mm-hmm. these last 10 years. And part of it is because we've grown up and now she's a parent or mm-hmm. she's bought a home or navigating her career in a different way or going through fertility, like whatever it is. And part of it is because like the world itself got more complex. And so I think that it wasn't necessarily like intentional to be like, let's have a meeting on how to evolve, mm-hmm. but more like the voice of the skin matured because Mm -hmm. that is a natural thing that happens as you age. And our brand has matured and how we talk to her and show up for her has changed because we're not just showing up with giving her the news that she needs every day. It's also, how do we help her navigate going through fertility, going through saving, trying to figure out how to save for your parents one day, trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to get a promotion, like all of the stuff that there's no help out there, that Mm -hmm. we don't learn how to do that in college. And it's not like you go take a course on how to do that. So I think it's been a natural evolution and there's an authenticity, I think, to it because we are also going through it ourselves. Well, I think what's interesting, it's like, I feel like people need to be soothed. Like you need to soothe a frazzled nation and giving the news portion is just one piece of what you do. There's more. And also it's to remind people that in this crazy mixed up world where it looks like the world is caving in on you, there's also perspective. And there's also knowing that you're like, you guys are flight attendants. Okay, guys, we're going on the ride. Ironically, we are terrible flyers. So good luck, everyone. (laughs) Bad analogy. (laughs) Don't listen to them as flight attendants, but go on, Danielle. No, I was just going to say, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that it, it came up for us in a few different ways. The first is just community. It isn't just the two of us or our team doing this, but the community of skimmers around the country that found each other and mm-hmm. talked to each other about mm-hmm. what they were going through. And I think that that was a form of catharsis and in, in finding someone that had the same passion or the same hurdles that you were mm-hmm. going through. And I think the second thing, and I'm going to sound totally like those NBC after school specials. I think this actually was the slogan back in the day, but like knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And I very much believe that because there is so much you cannot control about what is going on in our world, unfortunately, but you can, to the best of your ability, try to understand what's going on. And I feel like when there's so much up in the air, when I feel like there's so much anxiety around me, what I found is helpful is to just try to understand what's at play. And so I feel for us, whether it is news, what's going on in the world or what's going on with your finances or what's going on with your health, having a baseline of this is what is at stake. These are the facts. And this is how I feel about it Mm -hmm. has been really helpful for us as a brand and having to adapt to grow with those categories, but also our skimmers who, when we started, it was like, what is the format Mm -hmm. and what is the voice? And then it became, I think, this responsibility to not only give succinct information, but also to be a trustworthy source of information. And that became a bigger and bigger part of the company as we expanded. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so interesting to think about the growth because every great company starts with a moment where you're standing on the edge of the cliff 
and you're like, should I jump or should I stay on this safe side? The safe side was NBC, which is like, of course, you have a job. It didn't pay so great, but you had a job. (laughs) There were benefits. You had something that was stable, that when you said to your friends, where do you work? You could say, oh, I work here. And the structure of something like that. So there you two were at the beginning of your careers in a place your friends probably would have killed to work. And you stand on the edge of the cliff and you decide to leap. I mean, that took not just it took courage, I don't, or maybe it was just blind faith. I don't know. What was it? Let's start with you, Carly. What was it that made you take that leap? Looking back, I think we would both describe ourselves as very like gut-driven, intuitive people. And honestly, there have been very singular moments in my life that have been out-of-body experiences. And like, this was one where it was like, I had to do this. There was Mm. no talking to me. There was no talking to us. I had to do this. So I would say there was a naivete for sure, but also there was just this passion and hunger that there was no stopping us. And like, we had to do it. So it was either like do it and fail or do it and make it work. And like, I just remember, it's so funny. I mean, we were we were kids, we were roommates and our parents had a phone call to be like, basically, is your daughter telling my daughter to like give up her life? And like, is your daughter telling my daughter that? And like, I remember we had a conference call with our parents. They literally, like we were muted and we were outside of 30 Rock and we're like staring at each other and we're listening to our families be like, they don't even know what they're getting into. And we just knew we had to do this. And so our grandmaster plan was, it was, you know, the summer of 2012, it was an election year in November. And as you know, like all the news stations, you hire a ton of freelance then. So we were like, give ourselves three months. We had that amount in savings and then we'll get hired freelance and figure it out from there. So that was like the big plan. No one thought it was a good idea in our families at all. Now they're like, oh, yeah. yeah they're going to be so mad when they hear this. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, but no, they did not think it was a good idea. And I think it was more not jumping, but I think of like Thelma and Louise driving off the ledge together, which is neither one of us, I think, would have done it alone. Yeah. Absolutely not. And we kind of needed something to just put the pedal to the metal. So if Carly went, then I had to go. And if I went, then Carly had to go. And I think that that's the beauty of like the foundation of our partnership. And we you know, almost we're celebrating didn't. Do you remember? Our 10-year anniversary. Yeah, I know. We almost didn't. Why? So, what happened? Well, Carly, because she was on contract because she was on shows, like her show was ending. And so it was a natural time for her to transition out. I was on an MSNBC show. So there was kind of like no good time, but I also had a promotion that was consistently delayed and just ready to, to do more. And so I gave my two weeks notice. And then my last day, they came to me with an offer of basically the role that I had been trying to create for myself for a year. And I was like, man. And then it was like, Carly was already you know, she had quit her job and like she was at our office, meaning she was like at our apartment. And um, <laughs> it was just like, of course, I couldn't, I couldn't, if she hadn't already quit, I probably would have stayed. Did any part of you think for one second about staying? Yeah. But I think it was the part that also knew that I would be in the exact same position a year later. 
Yeah. And for both of us, we wanted to do more. And we didn't see that path in the next 10 years at the jobs that we had. So, you know, often, I mean, they say a perfect business model is find a need and fill it. Was there nothing out there? Did you say, well, wait, is there something close? Are we in fertile territory or are we kind of out here lumped in with a whole bunch of other groups, Carly? Funny, like email is so popular today as a delivery mechanism, but it really was not for for brands at that point in time. And so many companies and people we went to it for advice were like, terrible idea. Email's dead. They would email that to us. No, like we were definitely kind of the first to market, if you will, in thinking about email as a way to reach this type of audience Mm -hmm. and as part of their daily routines. There were a lot of things that came before us that, you know, we were huge fans of like Daily Candy and Mm -hmm. Thrillist and people that we really looked up to who had created lifestyles, but they weren't necessarily brands around daily information. And we definitely knew and saw and felt that who we were reaching, which was this generation of of women, Mm -hmm. were not being targeted, maybe being targeted, but actually were not being reached by Mm -hmm. certainly the traditional outlets and definitely not any of the new kind of quote unquote new media outlets. So there was this real kind of white space for us to fill. And we we definitely filled it and kind of swooped in. But I think we did it in two ways, not just like, who we were reaching and how we were reaching. It was like the delivery mechanism at the time. And then also the voice. You know, I remember, especially in the early days, we really, really wrote the way that you speak. Meaning like we didn't do a lot of commas or good grammar because you don't, Mm -hmm. none of us speak that way. Mm -hmm. I remember we would get all these emails from readers being like, I'd love to apply to be your first hire as your chief grammarian. And We were like, yeah. And we were like, you know, we know how to use a comma. Like we were intentionally not because we wanted it to sound so conversational. And I just think that the how of how we did it in the early days was so different than what was out there. I also think, and, and this is something that I attribute some of our like kind of staying power to because the need has only gotten bigger over the past 10 years. But when we launched, you know, Twitter was like the hottest thing at the time. And Twitter obviously is all about what you think, like your opinion. This is how I feel. This is how I feel about this news event. And I really think that it intertwined news and and opinion more than anything we've seen um, or had seen up, up until then. And for us who had this background in traditional news journalism, we knew that we, we did not want to create an opinion or personality-based company when it came to how we were delivering news. And so the idea of creating a voice and a brand that delivered trusted information was very, very different at that time because there were a lot of places that were doing it opinion-based or personality-based, but there was really no brand that was digital first Mm. that was looking at it in the way that we did. Well, Danielle, who said no? I mean, when you started, you got a bunch of no. Everyone. Like who? At least, I, I want to say at least 150 names. And when I say no, it's it's not just like there were names that we pitched for money. And that was like, you know, we had this big spreadsheet. Trying to get investors, right? Yes, okay. investors. Because we had about $5,000 saved up, like between the two of us when we started. So we needed money. This This was like either we get it funded or 
the or never really came to our mind because it was just totally manifest. Like, we will get this funded. We will get this funded. And we did. But on the road there, we talked to hundreds of people and it was all no, 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 no. And I think that it's taken us, you know, a really long time to separate out what the no's were attributed to. So some of it was like, okay, this is a 25-year-old with no tech experience and no business experience. And I'm an investor who really likes to see, you know, like the kind of bona fide credentials. So like, Mm -hmm. no, that's not a fit for me. But at the same time, we would go to the people who were backing other 20-somethings who had no tech Mm -hmm. or business experience. And they were like, no, because it's not an app, it's email. No, because of that. Or no, because there's two of you. And I'm sure there was a degree of sexism for sure. Yeah. I think we got a lot, not I think, we did get a lot of really disgusting comments as we tried to to get this off the ground. And at some mean, point- What do you mean? Like sexist comments? Oh, yeah. Like sexist comments. I mean, it's not even worth talking about 10 years later, except for to say that, of course, like, of course we got them. We were two young women pitching a brand and had a really strong partnership. And I think that some people didn't respect that or we would get up, one of us would get up to leave the table and they would say, okay, so, you know, she's gone. What do you really think? And so we finally got the right people involved. We finally got that. Yes. And sitting here 10 years later, I'm so thankful for the amount of no's that we got. Mm. because that was just the tip of the iceberg. When I look back now, I'm like, that was the easiest no that that we've gotten. Today, what we're pitching, people laugh at, and you have to get to the point where you have such a thick skin, where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm asking you for advice, and I'm trying to play things off of you to see what resonates. But at the end of the day, I've developed my own barometer mm-hmm. and own confidence to be able to take from people what I think is helpful feedback and what I think is their own baggage. That is the confidence that you're talking about because after going through a hundred plus no's, Carly, I think it would have crushed anyone really because then you start thinking, maybe they're right. How can 150 people be wrong? Well, I think what we're not saying because you're right, like that would crush and did crush, except it couldn't crush that much because we had already launched. We had already sent out an email. So we're getting all these no's, but we had thousands of readers. Oh, already. Thousands of people who are writing in being like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And like, where have you been all my life? So for every no, and let's just be honest, who was the sources of capital? For every no that came from a guy, we would have thousands of women that would be like, I love this. Uh And we're like, okay, something is not working in what we are pitching or they're not seeing it. But like Mm -hmm. it got to a point where we had hundreds of thousands that you couldn't ignore Mm -hmm. the product market fit that we had created with no money and no budget and like literally at home with a laptop. So I think had we had we needed capital to launch, I think we would be in a very different place Uh today. Was it a woman or a man who gave you the first yes? The first, like, like, yeah, institutional was a man. Yeah. Two, two men. men. Yeah. They were, they had a very, they do have a very similar partnership to the two of us. And it was so funny because our first meeting, uh, it was Homebrew Ventures, which is Hunter Walk and Satya Patel. I think they asked me, like, what does Danielle order for lunch? And I was like, easy. Like, I said her <laughs> lunch order. 
And then they're like, yeah, we could do the same. And it was a question they had gotten from their LPs Ah. because it was a test. Like, are you really partners? Do you really listen to each other? Do you know each other? That's a good question. So it was like a very funny, like founder double date of like, (laughs) of like, we get each other. And they were the first money in. Wow. So Danielle, when you, we were talking a little bit about staying power, because it is something to launch and it's something to have hundreds of thousands of people, but we've been through so many things over the last 10 years. We've been through Me Too. We've been through a pandemic. We've been through tumultuous elections. We've been through everything. So what is the, and I know we, we touched on it, but there's an evolution and there's a place where people feel like, oh, I'm home when I read that. I'm home. This is good. I need to have this. It's something steady. I think it's a bit of like adapt or die that you, you have to, if we were the same brand that we were 10 years ago, it wouldn't be relevant. It wouldn't feel authentic. So I think that you have to now saying that it was also incredibly difficult for the two of us to figure out how to lead a brand that is going to adapt and change because we started it and we Mm. went through a real phase of being micromanagers and being controlling. Even though if you had asked us then if we're controlling, we've been like, no, absolutely not. Because we wanted people to come and work with us and we wanted to create this big vision and we knew that we couldn't do it alone, nor did we want to. But I think so much of it has been the two of us figuring out how to communicate and figuring out how to let people in to make an idea better, which at Mm. times is killing it off. Mm. (laughs) When I look back on the months or like quarters where I felt like the company was kind of stagnant or we didn't do enough, I really attribute it to Carly and I holding too tight to Mm. something that we felt like this is this has to be done this way at this time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as the company has grown, we make more progress when we have gotten much better at identifying who to hire, identifying the scope of their role, and making sure that we're communicating our vision and what's important to us, but then leaving it up to them to innovate. Because they're going to see things, if we do our job right in hiring a a diverse Mm -hmm. team, they're going to they're going to see things that we don't and they're going to see it in a different way and that has taken 10 years and it's something that we work on again and again let's talk about leadership because everyone's leadership role changes and i know some leaders who have to lead from the front of the ship because they want everyone to see them look at me i'm up here and i know people who lead from the back because they don't need the credit but they and they can navigate better some people get their hands in the middle of it some people don't so carly how has your leadership style evolved because you were a 25 year old in charge now you're a 35 year old in charge how are you different than you were 10 years ago in what ways i feel like it's important to fact check i was 26 and now 36 <laughs> just going to put it out there danielle's like thank you for clarifying I was 25 and now I'm 35. We got it. So I think my style has changed, thank God, because I think it was really rough in the beginning. I think that I've had every role in that ship, which is my strength is that like I'm really passionate about what I do and what we're building. And like I try to operate with like being generous in spirit. And like I love being on a team and I love collaborating with people and like feeling like we're all doing the same Mm -hmm. thing. 
but it's also really hard because I'm really passionate and like, this is like the baby that we created. And so it's tricky to how do you bring people along with what you're seeing? Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm really, really good at the like 200,000 foot view, the 30,000 foot view. When you get to like the details, the 10,000 and below, that's not my strength. And I think what I've actually really enjoyed about being at this scale and phase of a company is I actually don't have to be at that level anymore, which is mm-hmm. great. Cause I'm like, yeah. great, put me in the, the vision stuff. But it's meant that it's like, it's been a total learning curve and like a lot of moments of really putting me out of my comfort zone and also like failing a lot. And so I think it's in many ways when we started, we're like, this is going to be the hardest part ever of all of this, like getting off the ground. But in some ways that was the easiest part by Mm. far. Daniel, what about your style? How has it kind of evolved over the years? So I think in two ways, The, the first thing for me is communication. Yeah. I really had to work on a clearer style. I think that one of my worst traits is I'm from the Midwest, which is a good thing. That's not a bad thing, but we are really friendly and outgoing and say hi and all the things that like New Yorkers didn't really do when I moved. And I think that when it comes across to our team, that's who I am and that's how I say greet people. But then I can flip the switch really quickly. And if someone isn't performing like, and, and I've given them chances, I'm done. And I really didn't communicate when anything along the journey. Mm-hmm. And that was not good and, and really detrimental to a lot of, I, I think, a lot of individual growth and, and company growth. So I've worked really hard to communicate clearly the biggest thing that I attribute to to my leadership style too is just life. When we started, we were 25. We hadn't managed anyone. So we couldn't be good leaders. Mm-hmm. We hadn't had the growth that we needed to go through to get there. And I think so much of these big moments that I've had, I've had two kids. I went on maternity leave. I understood now what it was like to, to leave something and come back. I lost my mom. I understood what it was like to come back and have grief and the core shattering kind of confidence loss I I had. And we as leaders went through a pandemic and had to figure that out. And at the same time, months later, we're seeing social unrest that, that we hadn't seen in decades. So I think somewhere along the way, I learned how to use my empathy in in a more constructive way and really helped that helped kind of unlock communication styles that felt right for me. And I remember the hardest time I think for both of us was like in the depths of, of the pandemic and we were just at our wits end. Like, how do we lead a team? How do we do this? And one of our advisors, one of our board members who runs a huge company, said to us, well, the good news is no one has done this before. So you are getting the best training that you could ever have. And you guys, 10 years from now, are going to be the best leaders ever because I'm learning this and I'm in my 50s, you know, and it's it's like once I kind of started to frame it that way, there actually isn't a right answer because we haven't been through this stuff before. It helps. 
That's incredible. Carly, a, a company's only as strong as its leaders. You're like mom and dad or mom and mom. And when mom and mom fight, it's no good. So every tight relationship has its potholes. How do you navigate that between you two to make sure that the union, you know, stays strong? Well, I think you use the word union, which is associated usually with with marriages, but it's, it's and I'm laughing, but it's also very true, which is having like a co-founder is a, is a work marriage. And when we started, I will say we were naive about a lot of things, but this was actually the one area I think we were really smart about. We sat down and like really talked through like everything as if it was like a prenup, basically, of like, what would happen if we disagree? What would happen if you need time? What would happen if this happened? And like, we very much from the beginning were like, what does success look like? What do we want the outcome to be? What are our values? What are our priorities? And I think one of the things when I look back is the answers to those questions have changed over time. We don't have the same answers. Who would at 25 or 26 and now, right? But I think we've continually like checked in very regularly to ask each other, what does success look like? But if we had these two choices, what would you do? What would you want to do? And I think that that has helped us stay aligned so that even when we have disagreement, you know, you can disagree like, do I want the skim teal to be this bright blue or Mm -hmm. this dark blue? Like Mm -hmm. you can disagree. But like, why do you care so much? It's because I want this outcome for this company. I want this company Mm -hmm. to stand for something. And like, we've always had a rule, whoever cares more about something wins. We have enacted that rule many times. And I think being aligned on like the big stuff Mm -hmm. makes it very easy to get over the little stuff. Yeah, we've disagreed a lot. I think we've also been really good about separating friend time where we hang out all the time and like work time. And when we're at friend time, we don't talk about work. Or if we do, it's like in a very passing way. Okay, boy. Now you're here now, it's been 10 years. So when you think, Danielle, about Mm -hmm. what's ahead, and I'm sure you guys played this game, you played the numbers game back in the day. What do you see ahead for the skim? Bigger. And I I mean that in so many different ways. I think Carly and I, as, as leaders, we have a bigger plan for what we want the next 10 years to look like. I think that when we look back on what we've been able to do in the past 10 years, I feel like a lot of it was kind of like taking the training wheels off, mm-hmm. right? And and that was business school and law school and management school yeah. and school of life all rolled into one. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, we're just getting started. And on the other side, I when I say bigger, I mean it because women in this country have a much bigger role that they need to play. We have, you know, when we started the skim 10 years ago, we were benefiting from so many different things, really feeling we were graduating. We were getting ahead of men when it came to college degrees. We were really on the edge of feeling like we were expected to be at the table, that our voices mattered whether it was in politics or business or education, women were just out there and doing well. And now it is a very scary time to think about what it's going to look like for, for women even tomorrow or five years down the road. When it comes to the burdens that they've had to take on from COVID, when it comes to looking at what their rights are going to be, And so I think that as leaders of a company that focuses on women and making sure they have the information that they need 
to make the decisions that they matter, we need to get bigger because there is a much bigger need out there to make informed choices. Wow. That was a, that was a great note. Do you have any final thoughts, Carly? I feel like that was a great note, Dan. What I would add is that we are going through it with her. And I Mm -hmm. think that that is what has always made the skim really special and unique. Our generation, our team, like us, we are going through it together. And I think what we all need, and you sort of kind of started this way, is we're all looking for community. We're mm-hmm. all looking for a little bit of joy, a little mm-hmm. bit of humor when you can. And we're looking for support and guidance around how to deal with such unprecedented things. And so when I look at what we've created, we have done unprecedented engagement and activations and like civic engagement, right? And getting her to vote. And like, we're going to continue to do that now more than ever. But we've also now helped her and are starting to build out more of how we can help her with her financial health. And we're taking on how we can help her advocate for her personal health and mental health. And we're also talking about how she can navigate her career. And and soon we're launching a new vertical that will help her as she enters a new phase of life. And so for us, it's about really helping her navigate each of these incredibly huge categories that oftentimes are like the categories that you're like, Ugh, I just, I give up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we cannot give up because we literally cannot afford to. And that is what I'm so excited to help her navigate through. You guys, you've done something that I wouldn't have imagined was possible. And here we sit at 10 years and I have a weird feeling that in five more, we'll do one more of these. And you're going to say, what we didn't tell you then was we were launching this <laughs> and it was going to be amazing. And now we're here. We got two people who are going to run the world. So you guys, thank you for letting me sit with you and enjoy Again, this moment. Thank you. First of all, can thank I just you. say for those that don't know, we did not know you when we were at NBC. I literally cold emailed you when we left. You were just such a good human that you responded. And we went to get French fries by 30 Rock. And I told you this idea and you're like, that's so cute. Send it to me. And then you named us as one of your favorite things. And it changed our life. And we went from having a thousand users to 10,000. And you have been such an amazing supporter of ours and just a friend. So thank you for doing this with us. Y'all, thank you so much. I've thank loved you, our time Hoda. together. Congratulations. Thank Thanks, you. Hoda. Good right, to see y'all. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And we've also got another podcast, Pop Cultured with the Skim, where each week we're covering the pop culture moment everyone's talking about. New episodes drop every Tuesday.